0: All right, welcome back. You know, one of the things we've been talking about for for weeks on end is these Canadian wildfires. Now, we we just we really haven't seen this type of of smog, smoke, this kind of cloudy uh, atmosphere and and that's brought in certainly um some some of the world's worst air quality conditions all across the world. And and so it, it, with, with this kind of strange event that we haven 't seen uh, over the course of, of i don't many, many years here we 've never had this type of, of smog here. Um, it has come in the way of these fires that have been burning earlier in the season at a, at a much faster rate. Uh, there was an interesting story in Axios that says Canadian wildfires devour land and vault CO2 emissions higher to the extent that we have not seen uh, at any level in the past, I I don't know, almost 20 years or so. Um, and and that has been a huge, uh, sorry here locally certainly. But then, what does this mean for our air condition, for the climate, as these CO2 numbers are astronomical? Uh, Mark Parrington is a senior scientist at CAMS, the Copernicus Atmosphere Monitoring Service, which tracks wildfire emissions via satellite monitoring. And he joins us this afternoon on JR Afternoon. Mark, it's great to have you with us. We have seen these type of wildfires burn. In Canada for years it 's not uncommon but but to this extent certainly that you 've been tracking um, it is putting off huge uh, co2 emissions isn 't it Hi Chris yeah, thanks for having me on so um yeah as you said we we 're
1: tracking these fires using satellite observations which measure the essentially the heat output and from that we can estimate emissions um, and it 's the middle of summer, and so it 's not unusual that we see fires in In Canada on a province by province or territory basis Uh, but what's been really unusual this year is um, that fires in in western provinces started in in early May and are still going Um, and they've also been joined uh, for several weeks by fires further east in Quebec and Ontario and so what's really what really is unusual what really stands out in our data is just the sheer scale from west coast to east coast we've seen many many fires that have been burning for a very long period of time and that's leading to this accumulation of smoke and then the weather changes the wind direction changes and it's bringing it across to uh, the great lakes region and to the northeast of the us and we've seen a couple of those episodes and our forecast is actually showing another one maybe arriving there early next week
0: how is this this uh, calculated and judged? Because I'm looking at what what's called megatons of carbon emitted, um, and and there are 249 megatons of carbon emitted from Canadian wildfires this year, which doubles the peak from nine years ago in 2014. What what is making these these numbers jump so high is it just it, they are burning earlier in the year and so they'll continue to burn what 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 has been the cause of these numbers that you're seeing
1: so the numbers that we're calculating is really reflecting the the instantaneous um, emissions or and and that's an, a function of basically just the the really high number of fires that are burning um and also the the amount of time that they've been burning i mean from particularly British Columbia, Alberta, Northwest Territories. I mean, it's really been sort of on and off, more or less continuous for since the beginning of May. Um, and it's just it just accumulates and accumulates. And so whenever there's a detection by the satellite, we're taking this into account. And it's just been because there's been more detections over a larger area. And for a longer period of time, it just really drives these numbers up compared to what we saw in, in 2014 where the fires were much more localized and much further north. So Northwest Territories had really big uh, mm-hmm. fire season in 2014, but that was really the main fires that were burning in Canada in that year. Whereas, like I said, this year we're seeing in in several provinces across Canada, persistent large-scale fires burning.
0: And usually these fires really peak uh, uh, kind of around this time, usually late July, early August. So we're getting them earlier in the year. Is the Is the forecast... Um, uh, predicting these fires will continue. Will we continue to see this type of, of atmospheric, uh, uh, I guess, uh, carbon CO two emissions um, uh, throughout the the rest of the summer?
1: So I think if if we follow the uh, this typical trajectory of the fire season, where it peaks in late July and and in August. Um, what our data shown so far this year is this really rapid growth in the emissions day by day, um, much earlier in the season, like I said. So it's, it's, been, it's really been this rapid increase. Um, and if we follow then the argument that, well, the peak is, is coming in a, the next three to four weeks, then in principle, we could see it continue up to, up to that point it really depends on how the, the weather patterns change and how the the fire risk changes. Um, there's been some indication recently that I think yesterday I saw on social media, the first satellite image of no fires in Quebec for, for many weeks. And so it's possible it, it might change, um, but through the summer months, the, the risk of fire and the, danger, the fire danger, which is based on the how the weather changes, um, will will continue to be high because it's summer and so What, what really happens, we'll have to monitor and see wh- whether it continues at, at this rate. But um, it, it, the rate hasn't really slowed down that much yet. And
0: so it, there's a real risk that it could continue going up for another few weeks. Mark Parrington, a senior scientist with the Copernicus Atmosphere Monitoring Service, uh, joins us from Germany. Um, you know, the other thing, Mark, that, that I take away from this, yes, these, these these CO2 numbers that we're seeing that are being emitted, are are almost double from what they were 9 years ago in 2014 but but it almost strikes me as as this is kind of mother's nature's MO right this is this is what she does and it at times Um, It can be it can be uh, uh, challenging for for you to keep an eye on this and watch what these these trends show. But is is there a certain level of this is this is what the earth does? Uh, We've seen these types of wildfires in places like the Amazon and other lush, uh, densely populated forest areas as well. Um, It's no stranger in Canada. But is this is this just something Mother Nature does that we that we should be expecting? Um, I think
1: I think to some degree there is with, with fires around the world. I mean, there's there's various reasons behind. It's not just wildfires, but but open burning and and fire being used for for agriculture, and, and it really depends on where you are in the world. Um, and indeed, from a, an ecological point of view, there is a role for fire. There's, there are habitats for fire where the vegetation is adapted and is it requires fire to propagate seeds and to and to to continue. It's you know the the regrowth of vegetation. However, and and of course this is true of the boreal forests across North America and Canada as well. However, what we've seen and what's linked to the changing climate is this increased flammability. There's there's a lot of fuel there. It's getting drier and then under the hotter hotter conditions, when there is a fire, there is an ignition, it means that the fuel is ready to go and it burns uh, much with higher intensity. It burns for a longer period of time. Um, and this seems to be a bit of a trend, it's a bit of an anecdotal trend, but particularly around the high northern latitudes, where it's hotter and drier, when there's a fire ignition, then they're burning for much longer than they have done for much of the last two decades, at, at least based on our data set.
0: And when you look at the the CO2 numbers that are being emitted, um, you know, the average vehicle in the United States generates just under five metric tons of carbon a year. You know, the, these these fires are going to generate so much carbon that it's going to be to the tune of almost 200 million vehicles. That, that's a huge fraction of what vehicles produce in the United States every year. And so, I mean, I, I know that there are those that that say that we need to cut those numbers back and try to make our our environment more. Uh, 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 cut back on the co2 that we're using but when we're seeing these fires rage um you know we're seeing the all all of that co2 go back into the atmosphere so so what what problems do we will we see will can we expect from this type of output
1: um yeah i think i would would maybe clarify that i mean we don't i mean these these measures that, that we're currently showing this is kind of a an instantaneous emission, and it's reflecting the the scale and the well the unusual scale and persistence of these fires. Um, but some of some of that CO2 will be reabsorbed through the carbon cycle, and that's something that's not really possible or it's not very easy to estimate in in near real time. But there are activities across the community where they do this carbon budgeting and look at how much of this carbon from from these fires in Canada will stay in the atmosphere and contribute to the atmospheric co2 growth rate typically speaking fires from the boyer region it's it's a relatively small contribution at, at the end of the year but this year has been quite unusual so we'll it remains to be seen when the the experts on on that carbon accounting make those calculations and and estimate how much stays in the atmosphere but there are as you say you're you're experiencing this very severely degraded air quality so there are direct impacts which, uh which uh which you can feel right now so so you know it, it, it's balancing off a, a lot of things but like I said essentially what right now the emissions we're estimating is like the reflection of the the scale and the intensity and then over time we'll have a better understanding of how how what that means for the for the global um for the amount of co2 in the atmosphere
0: Mark Parrington with the Copernicus atmosphere monitoring service thank you so much for your time and insight we appreciate it thanks so much Okay, thank you very much. It was a it was a pleasure. Thanks. We'll take a break. More coming up next on JR Afternoon.